Hey, welcome to Reflection as a Service. I'm Paul Merrill, and I'm joined by my co-host. That's me, James. And we're here to talk about software engineering and entrepreneurship. Tonight, we're going to be joined by Michael Kinsel, and we're looking forward to talking to him. Uh, before we get going, James, how has your couple of weeks been? Uh, it's been interesting. So I sent my son overseas to Spain, and he has returned in one piece. And uh, my wife and I decided to go out of town for a few days. And I just looked around and I said, where could we go uh, without the child that we couldn't go when he's with us? And he said, let's, let's go up to the Greenbrier Resort in West Virginia. <laughs> and uh, we got there and the first day was kind of overcast, a little bit rainy. The second day was a little more rainy. Uh, we woke up the third day and it was Sky was filled with thunderstorms. We said, "No, nah, we'll just leave. We'll leave today early." So you guys didn't get flooded, though. This we was left this was the week of the literally flood. two hours before the floods wiped out the town oh, in no. Greenbrier County that oh, we were no. in. Well, so I know that was a very serious thing, and a lot of people, I think, people got hurt and lost their lives, yeah, didn't they? Yeah, I and mean, I had people calling me saying, "Did you guys make it out?" Yeah, we did. Uh, so that was an exciting time. That is exciting. I'm glad you guys are okay, and uh, our thoughts go out to the folks who have been involved in that this week. Yeah. Yeah. So on a, on a less somber note. So let's see. There's there's a lot going on. I was just at Triagile and did a talk there and it went off terrific. Um, we had a really good time over there on the 30th of June in, in Raleigh. A bunch of stuff coming up for me. I've talked about several times in this podcast, but I'll be out at a number of different conferences um, this year. Um, Star West is one of them. The Better Software Conference down in Orlando is one of them. And then the newest coming up is STP out in Dallas. So I'm looking forward to that in September. Otherwise, let's introduce Michael. So Michael has worked with web software for 20 years with projects ranging from one-man startups to e-commerce systems processing over a billion dollars. Michael has worked in the education, manufacturing, and financial services industries, is a published author, founded the IndieConf Conference, and produced a technology podcast for several years. He enjoys spending time with his wife, two cats, and watching good murder mysteries. Michael, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you. Wow, it's like you know me. That's amazing. It's <laughs> well, we. You know what? You and I met back. Um, I think it was at a PHP meetup here in Raleigh. It Is was that right? Triangle PHP. Yep. And I don't know which year. I'm thinking it was 2012 or thereabouts. 2012 or 2013, I think. Might have been yeah. even 14, but I think it was 2013. Yeah. Yeah, and so we met there, and then you were kind enough to ask me to be on your podcast, Web Dev Radio. Yep. That was the first podcast I had been on, so thank you very much for that. This is returning the favor. Thank you. And uh, I have to say, you were um, one of the people, uh, between going to conferences, you mentioned conferences, um, you were one of the people that kind of relit my interest in testing, uh, specifically uh, you know, like unit testing and, and front-end testing and web testing. Um, and it wasn't an immediate, oh, I talked to Paul Merrill, and now i got to test everything. Uh, it wasn't quite like that. Um, but... It was it, you were kind of the first in a rekindling of kind of an interest in the importance of it. So thank you. Oh yeah, well I hope that's been beneficial to you. It 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 has, um, and there's actually a, a, a large project I'm working on now, which one of the core aspects of it has been to um, there was a refactoring which somewhat turned into a rebuild, but the one of the focuses of a lot of the the mixing up of stuff was to make sure that the code was in fact testable um, and that that took a lot of wrangling but we now have uh, automated tests we got like a thousand unit tests and we got probably 15 minutes of selenium stuff that runs every time we push so it's a great foundation to build from 
Oh, that's cool. That's great. So that's with one of your clients right now. Is that what you said? Yep. Okay. So you're you're freelancing. Is that right? Uh, yes. Well, more emphasis on Lance than free. You know, I, I mentioned before <laughs> this about uh, you know, occasionally getting paid becomes a bit of an issue. Um, but yes. Uh, you mentioned uh, 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 James. I uh, know. Sorry, Paul. Paul, you mentioned that your son went to Spain. Oh, that was my oh, that son. Was sorry, yeah. Paul. You mentioned that James's son went to Spain. Um, <laughs> I went to Spain several years ago, and your son. Uh, I went. We hosted somebody the year before, and then I went over for a summer. And I had a few years of Spanish. The Romance languages, O's and A's, amigo, amiga, abuelo, abuela, etc. And uh, or etc. I guess is a male version. One of the last days I was with this family, I was, uh, I think, 16, so we went out to a restaurant, and and uh, they said, would you like us to order? They said in Spanish, should we order for you? I said, no, 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 yo, yo puedo order, whatever it is. I can do this, I can do this. So I looked down at the chicken sandwich, and uh, whatever the sandwich, it was something, el pollo, chicken. Well, I, uh, waiter comes, camarero comes, and I point down at the menu, I'm pointing at the chicken, I say, yo quiero la polla. And uh, I think it's Poyo, right? Well, yes. <laughs> so your son, your son may get that if he doesn't already. And if I'm talking too loud, I'm sorry. I think I'm redlining here. I'll try to back off a little bit. But um, yeah. So for those of you who aren't um, uh, Spanish aficionados, uh, I I ordered penis. Um, <laughs> uh, they brought me chicken, which was which was very. But my table stopped. The table next to me stopped. The waiter looked at me, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> like I was maybe jailbait. Uh, I'm not sure. But anyway, that's. But it was. Um, yeah, the importance of. There's probably a lesson for software importance there. Don't be. Don't play too fast and loose with. Uh, that's a loose typing issue, perhaps. I don't know. I'm, I'm stretching yes. here. Anyway, <laughs> that's a great story. Well, maybe maybe you can tell us a little bit about one of your favorite projects uh, that you've worked on in freelancing. Oh, gosh. Which, um. Man. That's a Either in one. terms of something that's been really successful or something that was not so successful. Well, I got loads that are not successful, and we did, we've only got, <laughs> what you say, 20, 30 minutes or so. Um, probably uh, probably a, a recent engagement um, uh, that uh, has come about, and actually is still somewhat of an ongoing thing. I was engaged uh, by a, a, a regional company to help... Uh, it was partially sort of a mentoring training and partially helping to develop some new functionality. And, and as I got in, it was um, some of the remit was make sure that, that we can be uh, that we, that we have a solid foundation. And, and from my standpoint, and I think from a lot of people's standpoint, you're trying to build something that's going to last five or 10 years. A solid foundation would include testable code and testable processes and build processes and those sorts of things. And what I came into didn't have it. I uh, did spend some time trying to do some, some refactoring around stuff and it didn't quite work. And one of the things I found was this was, they were testing some people on, but they didn't have, uh, it wasn't core to their business. Test. They didn't have like 50 paying clients on it at that point. So rather than trying to dance around that too much, I said, let's, let's rebuild. Let's take the lessons learned. Let's like, rebuild on a foundation that is testable and has speed as a consideration and so on and so forth. And I, the problem is I'd made uh, an estimate, um, and I'd made that estimate thinking that the other people on the team were, in fact, f dedicated full time. And about a month into what I thought was going to be a, a four to five month project, I realized, oh, no, the other people are only working part time, uh, 20 hours a week. So uh, it effectively doubled the time. And, and while you know, initially, I think a lot of the players weren't overly happy about that, we, we do, in fact, have 
a base foundation. We have an MVC system that has clearer separation of concerns. We have a lot of modular code. We're using Composer. Uh, we, as I mentioned before, probably a thousand or so unit tests. We have Selenium tests. It, we have a lot more confidence when we're building and adding new things that we're not breaking other things and that we know why things are interacting the way they are. And we have test data and all that stuff. So, um, and uh, you know, Paul, that's probably one of the more recent examples of something which there's a downside to it. It took longer than we expected, uh, than I estimated because I didn't, I just assumed everybody's full time. No, that's not the case. So when you assume even something is as fundamental or as kind of basic as, well, there's pe these people on the project. I just assume they're working full time. They weren't. Yeah, and I think that's so easy to do. I think assumptions are really easy to make anytime, uh, whether you're a software engineer working for a specific company as an employee and you're giving your estimates on tasks in, a, um, in, a, in preparation of a sprint coming up, or if you're out freelancing and you're trying to put together a proposal, either way, it's very difficult to find all of the assumptions or as many of the assumptions that you can get together in order to make a reasonable proposal or a reasonable estimate. I think it happens yeah. to a lot of people. And I've been doing this. You can tell by if you can see the picture in the Skype. I've got gray hair. <laughs> I've been doing this for a while. And I, I, there's there's a degree to which I think I am, I am, I'm certainly better than I was years ago at, at kind of finding or thinking of those things and anticipating where are these gaps, where are the holes, what do I not understand? And this kind of blindsided me. Um, yeah. But there's, you know, this one won't there's, next time. It'll be something else. So. And there's always something new to learn with this, I guess. Oh yeah. yeah, and and both from the and this kind of brings up uh, the and we may have talked about this before, and I've mentioned this a couple times in 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 presentations and in in uh, other podcasts that uh, most of us it, when we're doing software, you after the first few years, you reach a, a point where you know what you you know how to connect to a database, you know how to write to a file, you know how to take a post, you know how to you know the basics, yeah. and though those aren't the question marks. The question marks are: um, what's the timeline? What's the budget? Who do I talk to? Who's the decision maker? Uh, how do we make them happy? What are they? They say X. Do they really mean X? Do they mean Y? It becomes all those communication skills, the soft skills, the people skills, things you learn at Toastmasters, things you learn in in uh, outside of an editor, outside of an IDE. Yeah, I think people are much harder to hack than computers. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> well, is that what you think, James? I, you know, it, it's something I, I was listening to another podcast on the Freelancer Show, and they had a this is an older episode, but they talked about how what they learned as consultants was that the technical parts you you can pick that up, you can learn it, but as it turns out, the mo the more important skill is dealing with the people and it, specifically your client, you know, your, your clients communicating with them and understanding, like you said, how do you make them happy? Like that to them was a much more important skill than like you said, learning the technical parts of the job. Although you need those technical parts, you know, you start to discover without the other half, you're really going to struggle. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah. Paul may be able to, um, Really, and probably both of you can, but I'm I'm kind of thinking of the Beaufort testing here. That um, the the one of the maybe more difficult things to communicate is the importance of testing, uh, and 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 carving out time for that. And it, it's glib, and I, I probably don't say it quite as glib when I'm talking to clients or proposals or whatnot. But the testing is going to happen. Testing testing will happen. We can either do it 
while we're developing and we have a much better idea of what's broken and where it's breaking and how to fix it, or the end user is going to be testing and we're going to be scrambling to fix this stuff months or years after the fact. But testing is going to happen. It's a matter of does it happen on our schedule in a controlled environment or does it happen out in the wild? Yeah, I actually just had a conversation with a a friend of ours, uh, somebody that you just introduced me to, uh, Michael, and I was telling him a little bit uh, about that. One of the things that we were talking about is if, for instance, my company were an application developer company and I went to my client and said, okay, look, we are going to have the best test set up we've ever had. And, you know, we're going to have um, a thousand unit tests and we're going to have, you know, 50 end to end tests and everything will run every night and whatever. Client isn't going to care about that at all in most cases. What they want is working code and they don't care how they got it. Like if, and if I'm the client, that's what I care about as well. And I wonder, like, do you experience that in working with your clients? I mean, these things are all great, but it's kind of how the sausage is made, right? Well, there's a, there's a degree to which uh, people just say, I just want working code. I've I've had situations and I, I've come into, I, I don't actually bill myself on my website like this, but uh, I joke sometimes I'm like, I'm, I'm a digital garbage man or I'm a digital uh, Indiana Jones maybe. <laughs> But I'm coming in, sometimes I'm coming into projects where somebody, well, we worked with these people already, or we had this and it's broken or we can't fix it or, you know, it's a mess. And those, even though it's usually painful and slower for those for those particular projects or clients, they've maybe understood or they've learned the lesson that just, oh, well, this code works or it's working. That's not enough. It's working for the one thing that you looked at, or it was working, but because you didn't pay attention to this, or you didn't you didn't prioritize this, it's now not working. Right. Uh, and and you know those are um, I I'm I don't know how much you can educate somebody beforehand. I'm not sure how much people can care about that until they've been bitten, till they've been burned. I think that's a good point. I think that's a good point. It, it's one of those things you don't necessarily know about until until you have to live through it. And that's one of the things with educating my clients and potential clients is. Um, the ones that I end up working with are ones that somehow have found out they have a need for this, that they have a need for automated testing or testing in one form or another. Mm-hmm. But I hear you. So what? I guess, uh, James, I haven't allowed a lot of time for you to ask questions. Come on here. in, James. Do you, do you have some some questions? I was just going to ask about um, the hair, like right? Clients. Oh no! <laughs> okay. I get I get that a lot. So, like. Like how it's turned gray, or um, just how does it look? How do I keep it looking so good, man? I was gonna, <laughs> if I have as much hair as you have, uh, you know, when I, don't I, say I at my age. That. Don't say at my I age. That. That's what it started to sound like. I already, I, my son has more hair now on his legs than I've ever had in my life. So I, <laughs> so we move from I'm not, to the legs. I'm not. Yeah. Well, were you but, talking about Michael's hair on his legs yeah, the whole time? No, I, my hair is not on his legs. I hope. I'm looking over at Paul, who has got like a. Uh, like a Fabio kind of like uh, head of hair. Uh, I'm flipping my hair. It right is now. his, and so I'm like, I'll I'll never enjoy that problem. But um, like for clients that you know, we talk about like educating them on like why it's important to do testing. Uh, and so I, I can certainly imagine. And I have actually, I've been in projects where you had to make the case for we're going to spend time writing tests. Uh, but I think in those situations. It, it was the arrangement was you know we were billing based on the amount of effort we were putting into the project mm-hmm. and 
Uh, or it was a case where, you know, we only have so much developer time, someone has a deadline, and they want to pack as much uh, functionality, right? And how do, you, how do we measure functionality? Well, uh, gosh, look at, all the, look at all the hours that developers pushed into this sprint. Yeah. Uh, and at the time, it was like, oh, that makes sense. And then later on, I was thinking about it, and I was like, actually, it doesn't make sense at all. Like, why are we celebrating the amount of effort being put in? That's not really what you want to measure. But... <laughs> But lately, uh, like ever since um, I kind of doubled down on doing consulting and sort of uh, picking up clients and paying attention to what kind of clients I get, um, the one thing I haven't had to do is to ever get into a discussion with them about this, and this is why testing is important. And I, I don't know if it's because uh, like some clients are, are when they when they take on the job or when you take on the job, like how does the client view you? Do they view you as like staff augmentation, mm -hmm. or do they see you as the expert? That's a that's a huge question, and uh, I was I was subbed out earlier this year on a contract um, through uh, uh, through a client in New York, and they were paying a pretty high rate for the the middleman, um, and they were referred in and and. Uh, the, the high-level folks on the project, okay, well, these people coming in, Mike and, and um, I'm actually forgetting my partner's name on this now, but um, gosh, Ed, it wasn't Ed. It was something like that. Sorry, whoever you were. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, But we, we were coming in, and it was mostly remote. Uh, it, it was all remote, but we we were just treated by kind of the project manager and other people on the team as, as literally just staff augmentation, just another pair of hands. Hey, fix this garbage. Uh, yeah. and, and literally, so I was looking at it and, and okay, I'm going to fix some of this. Um, but what I was hearing and what I was watching in, in the communication channels was, oh, well, these guys, they're, they're building new stuff. Like, yeah, but they're the ones that built this stuff that's broken. Why are they building new stuff without even having <laughs> to fix their old stuff? Uh, and so probably within the first week I was in the, I, I was persona non grata because I was, I was saying this is garbage and you guys don't know what you're doing um we were brought in to help you get better and no one here seems to want to do that this was also a client where i had to connect in on my mac i had to connect into an amazon workspaces remote remote desktop uh which was a windows 7 desktop and from that machine from that machine i then had to use the windows remote desktop client to get to another machine where the code was so, you know, there was no, could I pull the code down? Heavens no, the code, no code ever leaves this data center at all. You can only kind of look remote into through multiple channels to touch it. Um, could I have my own database? Why do you need that? Because uh, I'd like to write some tests. No, you can't install anything. Could we, like, you know, we, we want to know how to do stuff modern. Okay, well, modern stuff is you use Composer for PHP and you say require these packages. No, you can't have access to the internet at all. You're building web applications. You don't have access to the internet. So um, rather than using packages and composer packages and things, they were rebuilding everything. In my first week, I took videos and said, you have SQL injection. Uh, I, I probably still have them someplace. Here's SQL injection. I can go here and I can, um, I can add this to the thing and I can delete your database. This should be, oh, well, yeah, put that in the issue tracker. Make a ticket for that. <laughs> that, was, that. that was insane. Yeah, but you need, to, you need to fix this other thing first. Like, it was, uh, so that was a, a really bad example of I'm just a pair of hands. Let's get back to your point. Are you a pair of hands or are you actually consulting 
and, and actually making recommendations. And maybe you're implementing, maybe you're not, but you're being valued yeah. and you're giving input at a, at a, um, a, cre a creative or, or a strategic level. Uh, I do both, though sometimes I am just a pair of hands. I do that. That helps pay the bills too. And that sometimes that actually exposes me to some new interesting technologies. Uh, and sometimes it gives me what I had in January and February and March. So I, I didn't mean to ramble so long at that, but it, it was a, that was kind of a minor painful experience too. Yeah, I, I've definitely noticed that there, it's not that all the those projects I've been on where I've been staff augmentation have been bad, but it definitely the feeling you get from the client and how they view you makes a huge difference. It does. Uh, yeah, and your story about like, having to log into a remote Windows machine to do development work, uh, I feel no, your pain. To then log into a remote desktop and then from there log into another remote desktop. Oh, that's even worse. Yeah. So like you're are you like hitting like one keystroke and then waiting a second to see it show up on the remote remote? To be fair, instance? it was actually to be fair, it was actually pretty fast. Uh, it was going through Amazon workspaces and then it was hitting another AWS instant, which was I guess was in the same data center. So it was it was yeah. pretty fast, though there was this kind of interesting bug which apparently no one else at Amazon has ever seen where any keystrokes that I would send, if I was using any other messaging thing, like I would come back to my desktop and use messages or Skype or something, all those keystrokes would also go through the AWS thing. So they would go through two layers of desktops and they would get into my code. So my code would occasionally have messages from two hours before. <laughs> oh, that sounds and bad. of course, everybody says, I've never seen, like, well, it was, it was crazy. That uh, somehow bad. it was my fault. Um, but yeah, it, <laughs> but getting back to the whole, how do people see you? Um, I've been on projects where, and this is uh, somebody talk, said at some point, well, you flip the bozo bit or the, they flip the bozo bit. At some point, if somebody stops, if somebody, especially somebody a higher up, doesn't see you or they start to see you as uh, not the expert or just a pair of hands, it, it's just immediately you're out. Like you, you're talking to a brick wall. Um, now, the upside of being uh, an independent consultant is often you don't have to put up with that for very long. Um, I am in a position where, you know, to, to an extent, I can I can be a little choosy with some of the work I take. Uh, there are some projects that I, I just I don't take because they're, they're just not a good fit. Or I would just be a pair of hands, and these people don't pay their bills anyway. And so, anyway, but yeah, how people see you is really really important. Yeah, but like you said, it's really it's really you put yourself in a much better position when you can walk away and you can say no, and you can you have a lot more. Um, like, I don't know, ever since I've given myself permission to say no, I feel like the clients that I have gotten have been so much better and the work has gotten like a much more interesting. Whereas before, I think when I first started, it was like, I'll take any work. And I really couldn't afford to say no. And yeah. I had just had to take a client or two that I was like, these are just a keep the lights on arrangement. Um, and now it's like, it's once you once you get to the point where you've established yourself, and you can you can say no, I don't need that. I'm going to walk away. I think things get a lot better. It is hard to walk away this, but there is a uh, scarcity mentality. I know I grew up with that, and that was kind of a lot of my family always concerned about money and not having anything and not nothing. But you know, we weren't we weren't ext extremely wealthy, and that permeated a lot of my thinking. Um, and, and to some extent, it still does. I still get nervous. It's it's. I do say no to things, but it's hard. Somebody says, you know, here's a, it's, it's hard to say if somebody has like a, it's something that might be a 15 or $20,000 project, it's hard to say no to that because that's a lot of money. 
and and okay, it is to me. It is. Now maybe some people listening. It is would to say, me. Yeah. I make that in a week. Um, but it's it, no matter how you cut it, that's it's not an insignificant amount of money. And to say no to that um, because it's not a good fit, you have to be confident and you have to you have to have a, a runway. I mean, let's be practical. You have to be able to say, yeah, yeah. Whether I take that or not, I'm still going to eat tomorrow. And you know, I don't know if you can. I do right. like to eat. I don't know if how you can see the camera or not, but uh, you don't get this way overnight. <laughs> this is this is years of Gilligan's Island and Little Debbie. Um, <laughs> I I put Little Debbie through college. I don't so, know if you guys knew that or not, but uh. <laughs> um, <laughs> so here's a question: what What would you recommend to new developers? So I ran. I was at a meetup the other night, and there was a guy that was basically fresh out of school. I mean, he he graduated. Maybe he graduated last year, but to me, that's still pretty new. He's a babe. He's a, he's a young babe. Well, yeah, and I, I think of I think of all the things that I've learned in the last however many years, and the few key things that were really important to me. What are some of those top level kind of newspaper headline? Even though we don't use newspapers anymore, um, head, headline kind of things that you think that a new developer oh, should learn. Put me on the spot. Beware. What would you say? I want to know yours first, so I don't. I really want. I really want <laughs> to get this right. Guess. I get that. I want to win that car. I don't. I don't know that oh. there is a right answer. I mean, I think that everybody's got their own their own right answers. James, what do you say? I'll answer after James. Like, uh, okay, I think I can't answer that unless I ask know the answer to what is it that they want. I think so too. Yeah, that's a really good question. I was going to say because if I don't know that, I mean, I could give them all kinds of advice about oh, um, you should get yourself into a very large company like Microsoft. You should uh, max out your four hundred one k. You should uh, learn how to politic. You should climb the ranks. You should, you know, by the time you're 30, you should be a management. You should, you know, and, yeah. but if the person tells me like, oh, well, you know, my dream is to uh, make enough money so that I can run a goat farm on the weekends. Nice. Yeah. Well, my yeah. advice would nice. be completely different. Right. 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 Because you can retire off of goats alone. Like you don't need to put that money into. You can go to Chatham right? County. It's goat country. Nice. <laughs> nice. I like yeah. that a lot. That's great. Well, well. well what were your thoughts? You you wanted to jump in there well, while yeah, James but I, going. I think one of the questions I was going to ask you was more or less what James was was asking is what where does a person want to go? If somebody's said you just starting off in their career or in software in general, let's let's leave it at that. But they're early on in their career, the first few years. Of course, they don't necessarily know what they they might have an idea, and of course, we know you hit five years later and it may have changed. But uh, do they want to stay? In development, do they want to get off into more of the entrepreneurship? You guys are really talking about the um, the uh, intersection of those two. But uh, what do they want to do? Uh, I, I think the the bigger thing to me that I wish that somebody had talked to me about when I was say twenty four, twenty five, is to is to uh, have a better grasp of the people skills. Understand that that is um, more important. It's just as important, or maybe more important, to be able to demonstrate. Uh, your skills to people rather than having those skills. Um, and that's, I'd, I'd never advocate that somebody lie or, or misrepresent themselves, but by the same token, you could be, I, I meet people that are far more talented. My brother's from a, from a code standpoint is far more talented than I am. Many of the people that I'm probably both you guys are too. Um, but that doesn't matter too much if you just sit in a room and never talk to anybody, or if you're just, 
you know, your own, just you're just in uh, IRC channels hacking with people or just putting code out. Very rarely do you just kind of get discovered. Oh, I found your GitHub profile, and we'd like to offer you a million dollar project. That doesn't happen very often. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I don't know of a single story of that. I, I mean, I guess it happens, but um, but yeah, I, I hear you. I, I think one of the things to me that as you were talking through that, one of the things that I remember people telling me was be patient. And the more I think about it now and the more that it applies to me right now, there are certain things that you cannot learn fast. Um, and even a part of our earlier conversation when we were talking about how do you learn about the people around you and that being such an integral interval part of learning how to code and learning how to be productive for a company, the feedback loop there is so long that you don't necessarily get feedback for, you know, sometimes it's hours, sometimes it's months, sometimes it's years on what you did to cause a certain other thing to happen. And you can't necessarily speed that up except by trying things and trying to learn from them and just being patient and waiting for Or as you guys mentioned, I think in your last podcast, you can just jump to another company. Um, yeah, job hopping. I'm actually a fan of that. I wanted to. to I, I was. I think I wrote a comment on your guys' uh, podcast about that. But uh, yeah, I did. Just, but did. just, uh, just being in control of your own future. Uh, the, learning the people skills, understanding technology is important, but it's going to change. My PHP from 20 years ago doesn't actually give me any value today, um, but it gave me the experience then, so I, I have it. But the people skills, you know, some some degree of patience. Though the big thing about being at larger companies, uh, the the more distance there is between you and other people, whether it's clients or whether it's it's upper management. Uh, there's I'm cynical about this, but there's so many opportunities for your uh, contributions to be lost or glossed over or um, or stolen by somebody else. So I've seen it. I've experienced it. I've seen it's other people, and I, that's part of the reason I'm an advocate of job hop if uh, or if you can do some do some side freelance do something where you can have an experience i i before the thing i was telling you guys uh one of the reasons i kind of stopped my podcast for for a while it's on hiatus is uh i got really i started doubting myself a lot uh because i had a project fail rather spectacularly both on the business side and the code side and i had to really take stock of what are my skills and and I started to rethink and I started to connect with some previous clients. They said, no, you were, you did really good. You did this. You did this. You were one of the better people that we worked with. So it wasn't the, I didn't need an ego boost so much, though it sounds like it, but I needed to realize that I was able to provide real value to people. Um, it's harder. I think it's harder to get recognition for that in really large companies. That's all. Yeah. And I think that's totally worth it too. I mean, I've certainly taken time to sit back and kind of re reflect on, on certain periods. And th there are times when you just get so worn out that you have to take a break somehow and, and, and sit down for a few days or a few it, weeks or whatever it is to kind of it's, figure it's out where hard you're at. To, to, it's hard for me. And I think it's probably hard for a lot of people, um, to, to like, just to go to people and say, Hey, was I good? Uh, I think I suck right now. <laughs> Who's well, going to say no, I, though? Who's well, the last, say no? The, the, the last no person that, that, well, in that particular case, the last person I worked with who still owed me money and had blamed me for the failure of the project, there will be people that will, th th that was, you know, I had people telling me, you're not good at this. Why are you doing this? Why did you mess up? Like, well, oh, yeah. Wow. And, really? Well, because because eh, you didn't pay me. No, that's one one example. But I didn't intentionally <laughs> screw up because, but, you know, there was, you know, I, I'm not, I didn't change your schedule, but somehow I have to deal with the consequence of you changing your schedule. I, I can't deal with that. But 
I mean, that, that's kind of an extreme example, but there's been a few times when I've had failures and it does, you have to do some reflection and it is hard to go up to people and, and say, partially from my standpoint, I look at that and say, well, yeah, I just asked you. And like you're saying, Paul, well, who's going to say no? Well, then I like, I think that and I think, well, how, what stock do I actually place in this person saying, yes, you were good because that's the polite thing to say. You know, it's, it's double and triple and quadruple guessing myself, yourself. Yeah, I, I know there, but there are, you're right. There are people out there who are going to give you honest and open feedback. And to me, those are the people who you, you want to tie your ship to or, or, or get close to and, and allow them to help you grow over time or at least use them while they're there. Like you use their feedback and their information while they're there to help mm-hmm. you grow. Yeah. I mean, for me, that was always when I was in the, when I was an employee, those were the good bosses. Those the, the ones who could deliver the message clearly to me and help me learn from it. Those were the ones that yeah. really, that really, it, and that, me. that is the, and I know we're kind of going over time here, but that is a downside of freelancing. If you're working for yourself, uh, you don't have that. You, you don't have that somebody whose job it is to give you some feedback and keep you on track and maybe help you grow. That all becomes your own responsibility. Um, and I, that's probably another topic for another time. Uh, and actually, I could probably connect you with some people that have some, that I've met who uh, specifically, we all found out together that we we did the same sort of thing. We developed our own, uh, I guess, brain trust, if you will, or sort of master or whatever. It just a, a group of maybe five to seven other people that we meet on a regular basis and we're not in competition with each other. Mastermind, I think is the word. Um, it's a good replacement if you're self-employed or if you're kind of isolated in your own career to work with other people, just to get that kind of feedback and get some help other people grow and get some growth help from other people. Yeah. That's a great idea. It, it probably would be a whole good uh, podcast for you guys to investigate at some point. If you haven't already, I haven't listened to all 20 episodes yet. So, <laughs> Well, um, we really appreciate you listening to some of them and for being here tonight. Yeah. Um, this has been a fun conversation. I, I guess, are there, James, did you have any more questions? I have one more for, for Michael. For, uh, I, I did. And so I was really intrigued and excited to see that you had mentioned you like murder mystery uh, shows. Yeah, so is, are you speaking? Do you have like a favorite TV show, like a series? Do you have like favorite movies? Well, my, my wife is from England, and we basically got hooked uh she's always liked uh uh miss marple and poirot and those so those are kind of our fallbacks uh for things but uh morse uh and lewis and i can't uh, i can't tell you how excited i am to hear this because <laughs> i have been binging on poirot and miss marple and yeah. inspector lewis and inspector morse and i'm just wrapping up midsummer murders oh yeah now the I have to say, we, we, we've done, I don't know, how many seasons of Midsummer Murders. Uh, they've gotten a little lame. You know, they're enjoyable. They're very, they, they become formulaic, and yeah. I like the early ones. It's just, they're good. They're kind of like The Simpsons at this point. Like, they're, you, <laughs> you know what you're going to get, but, yeah, you know, 20-something seasons, it's it's lost a bit of its... There can't be that many murders in, in like, a four-mile radius. It's just, <laughs> statistically, think, it's impossible. I think at one point, uh, one of them makes a comment about that about how many bodies are showing up in this section of England. And yeah. the characters <laughs> is like, it's really high. <laughs> it is. It's crazy. Uh, I, if you've, if you've done more, so you've done Lewis, I would recommend Endeavor. If you haven't seen that yet, I have seen that. Yeah. You have seen it. That's phenomenal. Yep. So, yep. uh, I'm trying to think of some other ones that might be, uh, you've probably seen a lot of these already, but, uh, man, Oh, well, these aren't really murder mysteries so much, but, uh, life on Mars. Did, did you see the U the UK life on Mars? 
I don't think I have. You should watch the UK Life on Mars and then Ashes to Ashes. Uh, it's the basically it's a it's more of a detective series than a murder mystery, though there are some murders in it. But it's a detective series where a guy from 2005 um, is hit by a car and wakes up in 1973 <laughs> awesome. in the same city. So it's it's I mean I just given some of it away, but it's uh, you know it's it's sort of bringing the mentality, the 2000s modern mentality about policing and detective work, and throwing it against all the stuff about what the 70s were like and smoking and drinking and all that kind of stuff so yes yeah it's it's a good that's a good show that's awesome thanks so much for those recommendations i know uh it sounds like james has new stuff to binge on now i do <laughs> that's awesome so one of the things before we go uh i i always like to ask if there are any causes or anything that people our, our guests want to talk about and you mentioned supporting animal shelters could you talk a little, little bit about that uh, as little as possible. I don't like to say a whole <laughs> lot, but uh, no, you asked, and um, w- my wife and I are not terribly cause oriented, but um, like in terms of saving the whales and all that kind of thing. But uh, we've we've uh, adopted uh, pets over the years from animal shelters and just strays. Just we take them in, and, and uh, we support. Uh, actually, specifically in Raleigh, there's a safe haven for cats. Uh, it's a no-kill shelter for cats, and we we support them both financially, and, and we've given them supplies in the past. Uh, uh, but just you know, I think there's there's loads of great charitable causes out there for people. But our um, we we kind of give our support, and I encourage people to support animal shelters wherever they are, whatever they can do. That's great. That's awesome. Well, Michael, it's been so fun talking to you again. Uh, I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Maybe we can talk again, maybe a year from now or something like that, and see how things are going. We could do that. I, I could uh, I could take us out with a with a tune on the guitar if you'd like. Oh yes, that'd be great. Yes, please. <laughs> and when I say tune, I really just meant chord. But, uh... <laughs> nice. I, I I can't actually play all that well, but I I, think... I do have a guitar here. I don't think anybody has ever ended your podcast with a guitar chord so they have not but now they have that is first. First. first as long I, as you leave you, if you leave it in you might you could take it out that's fine too so no it's, it's going I in. like that that should go <laughs> in we're I, I, now the the journey will be trying to find someone who can top that like do we get to more and more exotic types. types of instruments yeah bag or pipes just, or like what's the one from from uh the, the dibidoo or d- d- the didgeridoo didgeridoo yeah. yeah that one would be great maybe we you could, could just this. get somebody who can actually play guitar that would be <laughs> That that would you know top what? it right you there. You know what? I can actually play guitar. So why don't you do it then? You should well, do your own theme tune. Do yeah. your own theme tune. Come on. <laughs> All right. Well, Michael, it's been fun, man. Thank you, guys. 